Hello and welcome to a special edition of Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Today we are discussing the idea of a downtown baseball stadium with star columnist Sam Mellinger and Royals beat writer Lynn Worthy. Last month, John Sherman, who leads the Royals ownership group, put it out there. The Royals are considering a move to downtown, leaving behind Kauffman Stadium, their home since 1973. The Royals' lease at Kauffman is up in 2031, and it is time to look at the future. To Sherman, that future could help define the future of downtown Kansas City. Sam, Lynn, and I discussed this idea, where a new ballpark would be located, how it would be financed, what has happened with new ballparks in other cities in recent years, and frankly, after putting $250 million worth of improvements into the K in time for the 2019 season, should the Royals leave behind what has been a home favored by many fans? So let's get into it. Let's say hello to star sports columnist Sam Mellinger and Royals beat writer Lynn Worthy and get right into it. A downtown baseball stadium has moved beyond the faint notion and now exists as a concept on the table with questions about where it could be constructed, how would it be paid for, and just whether or not Kauffman Stadium should be replaced. John Sherman, who leads the Royals Ownership Group, put it out there last month, and we've written about it in a series of stories that appear in the Sunday, October 17th edition of the Kansas City Star on KansasCity.com and on the Star's website. So, Sam, why is this coming up now? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good question. Um, John Sherman and his investment group had this in mind before they bought the team, you know, buying part of buying the team was that they were going to explore downtown ballpark. And I think it's been something of an open secret around town. They haven't said anything publicly, but you know, you, you hear things. And I think they got to the point in that process where, it was no longer beneficial to sort of keep the open secret. Now they want the public feedback. They want to know what people think they're at that point where, you know, they're, they're going to start with site selection and start to get, you know, a more focused plan. Um, Because right now, like we can all have our initial, like, yeah, downtown ballpark would be awesome. Or, you know, screw that. I love Kaufman stay where you are. Uh, But we're not basing that on anything more than sort of emotion and theory, you know, and I think they want to get to to get the plan with enough focus and information that we can start to make those decisions on a higher level. They kind of have to go public with it. Your story that um, uh, that, that's on the cover of today's Kansas City Star kind of framed it like this is the uh, there's an opportunity here to kind of create something beyond a new baseball stadium, right? It's, um, it's, you know, it it can be um, the future uh, and help, help frame the future of of downtown Kansas city to me, almost like the power and light district and, and uh, T-Mobile center have done. And uh, it seems like John Sherman in in the conversation that he had with you uh, thinks the same, you know, that's one of the selling points. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, um, you know, T-Mobile center power and light on steroids kind of deal, you know, because it's, it's 81 and, you know, the ballpark, I don't want to get like too far into the weeds here, but the ballpark's probably going to be 35,000 capacity instead of, you know, T-Mobile is what 18, 19 or whatever. Um, 
you know, there's two, there's two points to that, that, that come to mind, at least two. One is that um, ballparks don't work downtown. If you think that the ballpark, you just put the ballpark there and then all this stuff will happen around it, you know? Um, and actually like the Truman sports complex might be the best example of that. I was say, as a matter of fact, we have a pretty good example of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if there's some momentum already going, then a ballpark can sort of be a force multiplier and get more of that going, more, more housing, more, more, more business, more walkability, public transportation. There's just a lot of things that can kind of grow off of, you know, a ballpark that's going to draw, you know, depending how, how good the team is, right? Somewhere between a million and a half to three million people um, in a year, which is a, a, a huge number. And so I think that it was clear to me in talking to John that, and he said it in these words, like this is much bigger than a ballpark. It's not just a ballpark this plan. And so with site location and like a lot of, there's a lot of things that they're thinking about beyond like what will be around the ballpark and what can sort of spur development. If you look at some other projects that, you know, and John mentioned a lot of these, um, San Diego, uh, Washington and Minnesota might be the three best examples of putting new ballparks into parts of the city that were kind of crappy, you know, just kind of dead, not a lot going on. I think in San Diego, we have it in the story, but I think in San Diego, they went from like 70% vacant lots, I think in this area, the East Village, I think they call it around, I think they still call it Petco Park, but you know, the baseball stadium. And now it's like one of the most thriving parts of downtown. And um, Washington DC, same deal. Um, and, and, and Minnesota, you know, that's a public transportation hub. And there's a lot of businesses that, you know, are building around um, Target Field. And I think that's, sort of the model that they're thinking about. He, he was very much, you know, it's got to be good for the Royals. It's got to be good for Kansas City. Um, and, you know, kind of this is, I don't think this is why they're doing it at all, but it's a nice little, you know, side benefit is that I think it can end up being good for the Chiefs too. Because uh, now they've got some space and they've got some control over Truman's sports complex and they can do their own thing with the space where, where Kauffman Stadium is now. We'll get into the Chiefs' uh, in, in, end of the bargain here in a minute, but Lynn, you drilled down on the um, on, on the sites that Sam just uh, uh, told us about DC, uh, the, the the new ballparks in DC, San Diego, and Minneapolis. And a story that you wrote for this project, uh, the, the 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 author's name is Paul Goldenberg, and he wrote a a, a book, Ballpark Baseball in the American City. Um, what, uh, what were his, he's, what were his findings? He's pretty enthusiastic about the idea of downtown baseball and what, what why, why is that? Why is, why is he so up on it? Uh, well, you know, he was, it was funny cause, um, he spoke and I think Sam ended up speaking with him. Uh, I think, uh, you got, is that part, I'm not even sure if that podcast is up, but I think you're, you're going to have podcasts up talking with him, but, um, a lot of it was just sort of like how talking sort of an offshoot of what some of the things Sam was talking about, uh, how a ballpark can, um, what it can do to an area to revitalize an area, how it's, how it's changed over the years, really one of the turning points, whether it's him um, in some of the things he's written or talks he's given, or I talked to a local architect, uh, Jonathan O'Neill Cole from Pendulum, who's been in the business over 25 years, including having worked with HOK and places like that. Um, 
And it's the turning point going back to probably Camden Yards in Baltimore and what, you know, how the urban ballpark has become more than just a ballpark that um, is just for game day. And so like Sam's talking about some of these um, downtown ballparks and what they've done for areas. So like when San Diego moved from Qualcomm to Petco, um, and there have been studies and everything that talked about the, the impact they've had there. I think one of the numbers that I had was, um, see here, that the uh, re- commercial and retail spaces in like a six-year span was like almost $3 billion worth of, um, you know, space, uh, retail, commercial retail spaces that went into that area after are alongside the ballpark. Um, the economic output in those areas has been, you know, has gone up like ridiculously. Um, and we've got the actual numbers in the story, but yeah, it's the idea that the ballpark can do more than just be a ballpark. And then also just, you know, um, it can be, depending on how you do it, uh, a draw for that area, not just on the day, game days, but with non-game day events. Like that's one of the things that Target Field did, I think in the first uh fiscal year there's over 300 non-game day things that went on there which you know it's just it's more of an impact on the area is what um people like you know cole and uh, goldberger point to as a ballpark is not just being a site for baseball um and you see that in some of these places in the number of um you know the the revenue generated the jobs created the like Sam was talking about the um, way it's transformed some of these areas if you do it correctly. And, and whereas you look at where Kaufman is and it's just a, it's really like what Qualcomm was a stadium that's in a parking lot, you know, that's just not really doing other than anything other than serving as a venue for, you know, baseball games and maybe some other one-off events. Um, it's not really doing anything for the surrounding area. Um, and that's what people like Goldberger and Cole sort of look at the the possibilities of what a ballpark can be, what it can do for a city, for an area, um, what it can do to, um, you know, just a, a um, the, the vibe in a certain place and, and to generate revenue fiscally and uh, economically. Listen, there's no doubt. Um, I, I remember when Camden Yards opened, uh, how that in the Inner Harbor area and how that revi- helped revitalize downtown Baltimore. And, you know, just being there a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago for the Chiefs Ravens game was re- reminded me just how much that that area uh, has you know, has blossomed and how it's turned just basically transformed that that part of Baltimore into a big tourist section there. Now, it's funny that the Orioles. I think I read this in one of your stories. Maybe not. Maybe it was somewhere else. But the Orioles had sellouts for the first, you know, X number of years that Camden Yards was open for a long time, right? And helped with the team's payroll and everything. And I was just struck by what I saw when the Royals played there late in the season and seeing crowds of about five thousand people at Camden Yards. So it's, it doesn't automatically mean that that fans are always going to flock to a downtown stadium, but but the point both of you make are, is really good that uh, it really did change the dynamic of, of, of that part of the city. I would submit Cleveland did the same thing with, um, with its, uh, it was Jacobs Field then, Progressive Now. I think it's Progressive Field now, but um, did the same thing, right, in, in, um, in, in downtown Cleveland. And then the, 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 moder- the, the more recent ones that you've mentioned, I was in San Diego 
uh, less than a year ago, not for a baseball game, but just to just on a little getaway. And there's absolutely no doubt that the ballpark there, right on the on on the bay or that body of water, is um, was was much better than what they had at at, uh, at Qualcomm. And and I know both of you guys have made trips to Minneapolis to see the Twins play. I just wanted to get your just maybe a quick observation of what you see when you go to Target Field and. Um, and is there development around there and how much, Lynn, you cited some, some stats about, um, you know, not only economic development, but I think liquor license or, or kind of, a, there was some, uh, like a percentage of, um, you know, of, of, of liquor sold in, around the ballpark in that area because of the, uh, because of the, the target field, because of where it's located. And of course that helps a, a city's tax base. Yeah, the, the number, I think it was in just in the, the first fiscal year um, for Minneapolis, uh, Target Field generated, um, it, was, it was like um, $170 million in economic activity and contributed a 40% rise, contributed to a 40% rise in the uh, liquor tax revenues. So that's just in the first year. And so it's, again, not just talking about something that's for the ballpark owners or um, for um, you know, just that that the ballpark itself. It, talking about the gen, the greater area. Um, you know, one of the numbers I think was like in that first year, um, it was like a quarter of the attendees at games use some sort of public transit. So, like if you're talking about, you know, is that um, a benefit in terms of the way people are getting to the games and whether it's bringing more people to downtown through a public transit system potentially, then um, you saw some of that just in that first year in Minneapolis. Um, and then just, you know, anecdotally about by being down there, I mean, the times that I've gone down there, I've always stayed somewhere in the downtown area and walked to the ballpark. Um, and this past year, early in the season when we were traveling, I went down there and um, stayed at a place that was literally right around the corner from the ballpark and the transit stop that's right there at the ballpark. And if you just keep walking, you see it's, um, I think it's technically the warehouse district is where that ballpark went. And, um, you know, and actually it's, uh, I think the number is it's like small, the site that they built on is like smaller than 95% of the sites in baseball. So they had a lot of, you know, challenges just in terms of putting it in that location that they put it in and, and fitting it into that. Um, but that area around that warehouse district, you see, like I say, walking around anecdotally, stores, bars, restaurants, all these different things that are all just within, like, you know, I stay, like I said, at a hotel that's right around the corner and you walk up the street. I think it's actually the first day I stayed there. I said to somebody at the front desk, I was like, yeah, I'm looking, because I think it's, it might've been, I got in town on an off day. He's like, yeah, I was trying to figure out where I can go get something to eat. And she's like, oh, you just walk up the street here and there's like 20 places for you to choose from. And so that's what I did. And you just, and, you know, especially I think any day the, during the week, because obviously it was all game days that I was in town pretty much. You saw people walking down that, that area. You saw businesses with people, whether it's outdoor seating um, and I'm not sure how much of that was there before the ballpark, but I'm sure the ballpark has contributed to that. And some of these other places have popped up since then. Yeah. I think the um, part of what we're saying here is that site location is really like critically important. And, um, and again, it, you can't put the ballpark in a desert and expect businesses around it, but a ballpark can be put in sort of a dead 
part of downtown and revitalize that part and make the whole thing stronger. Like Target Field, it's the west side of downtown. And I, um, I read about the project and, and the whole process. I, I know Lynn did too. And there was like some skepticism, not just the footprint that you just mentioned, Lynn, but like just sort of like, ooh, in that part of town, I don't know, you know, and and they built it and people are going there. And, you know, it's, it's the same deal with DC. Um, they put it in, um, it's called the, like the Navy District or something like that. Um, and, uh, now it's called the ballpark district, you know, and, and, you know, some stuff popped up around it, but there had to be some momentum already. And I think one of the things that, that Paul talked about and some others, um, that we talked to for this project is that Kansas city has that momentum and, and the point being, and look in 2006 or eight or whatever that was, when they had the vote about, you know, renovating the stadiums, there was a little bit of a push. It never really went anywhere because David Glass didn't want it. Um, but there's a little bit of a push to to build downtown. And I wonder if if that would have gone, it might have been the wrong time. Um, you know, downtown 15 years ago, it's a hell of a lot different place than it is right now. And maybe it didn't have the momentum there then that it has now. And, and I think that's why, you know, John said that there are, uh, the way he said it was there, there's probably three and maybe four locations that they think are viable downtown. And he didn't tell me this, but I'm guessing one of them is north, kind of across the highway from the, from the city market. One of them is probably that East Village, you know, City Hall kind of place. I think one might be sort of close to 18th and Vine, maybe west of that that can kind of connect downtown and 18th and Vine. And then maybe the other one is either Crossroads or something over by like the Kaufman Performing Arts Center. Um, I'm just guessing. But all of those places are walkable. They're not divided by a highway, you know, to other stuff. Um, you know, there's businesses around them, but also room for more businesses to come. And I think that's, that's sort of the whole deal here. If it's just a ballpark that just goes into a spot and makes people move out of downtown and all that stuff, then, you know, that's not very viable, but I think that there's, there's been enough thought that, um, you know, I think they're going to, they're really crossing their T's and dotting their I's here. I think like I, this was, this was telling too, I, you know, brought up, you know, some of the blowback is parking, right? Like we love our parking here in Kansas city. And uh, we love things to be convenient. And, and John had a very, again, it was kind of vague. I mean, there's not a lot of details at this point, but he basically said, like, we've got that covered, <laughs> was his response. Like when I, he said something like when people see, you know, sort of uh, the plan, um, I think they're going to be able, they'll be a lot less worried about that. So anyway, like the details are going to be fascinating um, and I, I can't wait to see them. Yeah. And you mentioned the, um, you know, like going into an area where there are, is stuff already there or going into the area with other things. That was one of the things that, you know, um, and you've seen sort of this trend, like we're talking about, obviously, in a, in a major metropolitan area. But you've seen it even like in these some, some minor league cities where they've done these projects and they haven't looked at it as a ballpark project as much as part of a larger one. Um, I think um, was it Gastonia, North Carolina was one of the examples that. Um, you know, uh, Jonathan Cole from uh, Pendulum had mentioned, I think, part, in part because he'd worked on it specifically, but also just, you know, you see it in other places where, um, like, that one was a $28 million ballpark project, but was part of, like, a $100 million project as far as just that district and the other things that they were doing in that area. And so, like, that's, I think, what we're talking about when it's, like, you can 
make it like you don't make it just a ballpark. Either you put it in a place where it's going to add to what's already there or you put it in there with other things that you're adding there to, you know, so it's not just like, oh, we dropped this down in this area and expected it to, you know, grow everything in that area. It's like, no, no, you make it part of a larger thing. And that's where a lot of this economic impact comes from, at least in uh, we've seen that happen in other places. Yeah, I, th- I think by doing that, you're taking advantage of the inventory of games, right? Um, because the, I think it's interesting and worth noting that nobody's talking about Arrowhead. Like nobody's talking about the Chiefs moving downtown. And I know that there's downtown football stadiums and they work in their own way. But, um, you know, the 81, when you can sort of leverage that many games and that many events, um, I think it becomes, you know, a bigger deal. Yeah. And one of the things, I mean, now, and, um, like you said, the details would be interesting to see. And um, one of the things, the reasons that I talked to you know, the folks at Pendulum was they actually put out a fully like detailed model of a ballpark concept um, in a certain ro- location, not like a just, you know, okay, you know, no restrictions, no guides, no anything. Like they actually, they used that East Village site and put a ballpark that would fit there and designed it. And they had like, you know, with parking, with office space, with, you know, did the whole, like, you know, if you, and you, you, there's a version of it online, but going into the office, they actually walked me through like the 3D version. And you can see that like, they went through like everything from having drink rails all around the stadium to like putting statues, you know, having the statues in certain places in the Negro Leagues Museum recognized and all this sort of stuff. Um, So it's not just like a, you know, a couple of drawings and like, ah, this is a good idea what it would look like. Um, It was, you know, over 2000 work hours that they put into the thing. Um, And it was just interesting to see how they were thinking about it as, um, one of the things that uh, Cole kept hitting on was it's, it's 365 days. It's not just the, even just the 81. It's like, you know, trying to make elements of it, whether that's like there's part of the, um, the, the facility that they were talking about that would be actually like apartments that, you know, built into part of that area where obviously they wouldn't necessarily have be part of the ballpark, but like, you know, the concourses would sort of flow together. Um, you'd have like, uh, you know, like a, a restaurant area where it would be, connected to the ballpark, but wouldn't be like access directly to the ballpark. So you could be there on a game night, feel like you're at the stadium, you know, be in that same area, um, get some of the sight sounds maybe. And then also it'd be something that could still be open on the other days. So that it's a 365 day facility as opposed to just, you know, the game day type thing, um, things like that, that, you know, some of these that, you know, people like, you know, Goldberger, Cole, these people who eventually will probably have um, other people who have hands into actually making the stadium. Um, the ways you think about us, this sort of a project that's not just, OK, we're going to have baseball here 81 nights a year or whatever, but also um, how you design this to make this more than a ballpark and to add things to the city that, that maybe it needs right now that um, potentially it's not there. Um, and also, you know, work out things like the parking and all that sort of stuff as well too. And, um, you know, in there, and specifically they, they had different shout outs to Kansas city history and barbecue and everything else. And it's just, um, that's where I think as they actually get into this and, you know, assuming it gets approved and they start making uh, plans for it, that's where it can really get interesting too. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. 
Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Let's not forget that in his first public utterance about this, um, John Sherman used the term underserved part of, uh, you know, the metro area when he described, you know, a possible location for this. And what, what do you think he meant by that, Sam? Yeah, that that stuck out to me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I've like gone through all the quotes from owners who have built new stadiums, but um, I can't imagine that a lot of them made made it that much of a, a focal point of what they're talking about. He had three pieces of criteria, and that was one of them. Um, and and I asked him about that, and uh, and his first answer was, um, you know, that. I know it sounds corny, but God, the guy has backed it up so far about looking at a team as a community asset and that if it's just good for the Royals and not good for anybody else, then that's not interesting to them. That's not worth doing. And, you know, pointing out that this isn't just talk. If you look at the ownership group, it's full of people who have, you know, put their time, money, resources into, you know, projects to help Kansas city, uh, beyond their own business interests. Um, so then I asked like, or is what you're saying basically, um, like gentrification aware, like, how do you say it? Like make sure that this isn't just a gentrification thing where a ballpark comes in and people who live there now have to move out because they're priced out and it's, it's bad for them. And he's like, basically, yes. Like that's what, that's what I'm talking about is, is making sure that, and, and he said, they've got feedback, which I'm taking to mean they've done surveys of people who live in certain parts of downtown. What are you, what are your concerns? What are you hopeful for? And he said that they, one of the through lines on that feedback is that there's people who believe that there's been projects downtown who have just taken, 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 and not, not done anything for the people who already live there. And his point is we're not going to do that. And so look, it's an easier thing to say right now. Um, they, they've got to back it up, but um, you know, it's, it's, I, I think it's interesting that it is that front of mind um, to John to, to, you know, to be talking and thinking about it like that right now. A couple of surveys um, are out there uh, about the downtown ballpark. There was one, uh, that uh, a poll of likely voters, I assume that's Jackson County voters, and uh, we'll, we, you know, we'll have to talk about the financing of this stadium here in a second, but poll of likely voters, 640 uh, likely voters, 66% opposed uh, a public-private split for the uh, financing of the stadium. And I think it was 49% who said even if John Sherman and the ownership group picked up the tab for the entire thing. They would still be against uh, a downtown stadium. That was a pretty high number, I thought. The Star did its own survey and uh, got 2,343 people to respond. 56% said 
they are in favor of a downtown stadium. Had some really interesting comments that you can read about in the Stars um, uh, series on, on, on Sunday. So a couple of surveys out there in the field. Um, I think I go back to what you said originally, Sam, that it's uh, when, when the idea was, was just kind of entered the public space, uh, there was, and I'm just going to use this, the star surveys. I think people were excited about an idea of something new and different. Um, but again, the, a lot of the response that I read from people who took the survey went along these lines. Why do we need a new ballpark when Kaufman is you know, still a beautiful place? And they just put $250 million worth of improvements and repairs and renovation into it and you know, opened for 2009. Parking is convenient. We've just gone over everything that uh, that a new downtown ballpark can be, and yet I think there's a there's a sense that uh, unlike other new ballparks that replaced bad old ballparks, this one would not replace a bad old ballpark. This one would replace one that is kind of beloved by fans, uh, Royals fans here. And, and let me make one other point. Uh, and this is don't have to comment on this, but I just want to get it out there that the reason Kaufman and Arrowhead are where they are was because it was envisioned to be regional franchises, right? They were not only going to accommodate people in this metro area, but the families that drove down from Nebraska and Iowa and in from Western Kansas and Southwest Missouri, and it was going to make it easy and convenient for them. Um, the downtown ballpark, again, with uh, survey responses that I read were that you know, I had one person say, if um, if they put the thing downtown, I, I'll never go just because you know, he fears what the parking would be like and, and the inconvenience. So it went from at least a regional concept 50 years ago to a more metro concept now. Now, I, you know, I went on and on, but let's just go back to the uh, sort of the, the original idea here about um, Kaufman's kind of a nice place. I could talk about this part of it forever. Um, I am one of those people who my family was kind of drawn in to Royals games in part because of that. We, I grew up in Emporia and we would drive up and we would stay at a hotel um, that was right off 435. It was the same hotel every time. And we would drive um, to Royals games and it was, it was super convenient and all those things. And I think that's at least, I mean, look, my dad loves baseball. And so we probably would have gone anyway, but that was part of my experience. Um, a couple of things I would say, it is a higher bar here in Kansas city because, you know, <laughs> ain't nobody have good feelings about Qualcomm or, you know, there, there was no debate about whether the Metrodome was worth keeping, you know, it was just what it's going to look like and, and where. And so both, it, it both is. Both of those, however, were dual purpose stadiums. Yes. Um, and, and they were unattractive in, the, in that way as well. Yep. Yep. So it, it is a, a higher bar for John Sherman and his group than for any of these other ownership groups. Um, a couple of things I would say um, about the surveys Kansas City has a very clear history of hating change when it's first proposed. <laughs> And then getting behind it. And I don't know if it's like some show me stuff or whatever, but the airport and I was one of them. I didn't want the new airport. And then you start to learn more about it and, the, and what it's going to look like and the benefits and the funding and all that. So, oh, OK, this sounds good. Uh, Kemper, to design it. I mean, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Once 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 they brought me on as a consultant, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, Kemper. 
Um, why do we need a new arena that's going to be a mile away from from the old one? Uh, the streetcar, you know, it's uh, far exceeding expectations as far as ridership. They're expanding it. I mean, there's just there's a lot of that's a history, right? Like, no, 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 we don't need it. Oh, okay, this is pretty sweet. The other thing I'd say is that downtown is also at the crossroads of some highways, and there is some accessibility there um, to do that. And the last thing I'd say is is like. Look, we don't have any, I hope that whether you love the idea or hate it, I hope you can agree that there's not enough information yet to have a stance that you're not going to back away from, you know, because if the funding doesn't work and all these other things, and those of us who are really into the idea, maybe go the other way. And if the funding does work and they solve the parking and all those things, maybe the people who hate the idea, you know, come play along. I just, the one thing that I hope doesn't happen is that the innovation and forward thinking that Kansas City had 50 years ago in, in not doing the dual purpose, in building you know, what was then Royal Stadium and Arrowhead and making them separate. I hope that that innovation does not hold us back now from having the, the best next, next 50 years. Okay, um, let me put this out there. I'll just, I'll just float it, right? Um, the, we're talking about this because the Royals lease is, expires in 2031. So we're looking, you know, you know make a decision and it has to, obviously has to be sooner than that. Um, the World Cup, Kansas City's building a bidding for the World Cup uh, that would uh, that, that's going to occur in, in North America in 2026. And I would not be shocked to learn that part of the bid for Kansas City would be the availability of Kauffman Stadium if there's a new ballpark downtown, which would really accelerate the timetable for something like this. Just putting it out there. Just a thought, just a random thought of mine on this. All right, yeah, the staging area, right? With the tunnel and everything. Absolutely. The tunnel, um, you, staging area, you practice fields out there, warm-ups. It's, uh, you know, it could really serve the purpose of, of that. All right. Listen, this was a great conversation with uh, Lynn Worthy and Sam Mellinger. Sam, uh, tell us about your, uh, your podcast. Your Mellinger Minutes for the Years is posted now before this, and you addressed uh, the ballpark topic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously the people wanted to talk about the chiefs too. <laughs> chiefs defense. Yes, 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 they do. <laughs> yeah. But the, the third section of it, the conversation, uh, Lynn alluded to this is, is uh, clips from Paul Goldberger, who I thought was terrific. Um, Pulitzer prize winning architecture critic who literally wrote a book about how baseball stadiums work in downtown. So um, eminently qualified to talk on this subject. And he had a lot of interesting things that we couldn't fit into the written part of the project. So um, we, uh, um, included three or four clips from him that I think provide a lot of insight uh, into where this thing might be going. All right, we'll have uh, much more to say on this topic. We didn't touch on public transit. We didn't touch on the, the potential for an all-star design team. There's all sorts of uh, ways we can go with future conversations about the possibility of a downtown ballpark. I hope you will have read the, the series of stories that, uh, that Lynn Worthy and Sam Mellinger worked on. Really looking forward to reading them. Thank you very much, and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to our special edition of Sportsbeat KC, and a big thanks to our production staff of Monty Davis, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. As a reminder, Sportsbeat KC comes at you every day. We discuss the Chiefs, Royals, KU, Mizzou, K-State, Sporting Kansas City, KCNWSL, and more. Some of Kansas City's top sports figures join us as guests, 
and our regular lineup of star columnists, beat writers, and reporters bring their expertise to the show. If you like what you hear, let us know. If you don't like it, let us know that as well. We're always looking to improve and for suggestions on topics and guests. Send them my way to Blair Kirkoff, and the best way is in an email, bkirkoff, and that's K-E-R-K-H-O-F-F, so bkirkoff at kcstar.com. Again, thanks for listening to Sportsbeat KC. Thank you.